Welcome to the Gospel Everyday Podcast, following along with Mariner's Church Annual Read. There is unlimited grace for us today, no matter what happens because of who Jesus is and what he has done. This year, we're journeying together through the book of Proverbs in the pursuit of wisdom. So glad you're tuning in. I'm Steve Bingley, your host. On this episode, we'll be looking again at Proverbs 1-7. The Word of God reads, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. So, you know, we're in the theme of the fear of the Lord. And if you're just tuning in, welcome. You know, we've been talking about the fear of the Lord really as God-centeredness. It's, it's a posture of awe and worship of God that's really centered and anchored on Him and who He is. It's not on ourselves. But it's to, to lean on him where God is the focal point, where he defines reality. He's ultimate reality, and we see everything else in view of him. That's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. So in order to have skillful living, we need to first have the right posture of heart. And so the fear of the Lord, it's really like a freeway entrance, right, that leads to the road and destination of wisdom and knowledge. Without it, we're simply going to be wandering. And so for anyone who wants to be wise and knowledgeable, for anyone who wants to live skillfully, we must have, we must possess uh, the fear of the Lord, the posture of awe and worship. Our hearts must be God-centered. That's the freeway entrance uh, to become wise. But the question that we should ask logically is, well, okay, great. I mean, you know, if I need to have the fear of the Lord in order to become wise, well, how do I have that kind of a heart? How do I have the fear of the Lord? How do I have a heart that has a, that has a posture of worship and awe? How do we develop a God-centered disposition? In other words, if the path to wisdom, right, uh, is, uh, is the fear of the Lord, well, what's the path to the fear of the Lord? If the entrance point to the highway of wisdom is the entrance of the fear of the Lord, well, what's the street that we have to turn on in the first place to get to the entrance of the fear of the Lord. And here's what I think some might say. Some will say, well, it's it's spiritual disciplines. It's spiritual disciplines. In other words, it's the things, the resources that we have, you know, such as reading the Bible and prayer and community and giving and serving, uh, that we have to to engage in those things and that will unlock in our hearts uh, the fear of the Lord. So some will say, if you want to foster a heart that fears the Lord, you got to pursue spiritual disciplines. Then you have others who might say, um, no, it's actually circumstances that happen in your life like suffering and hardships that soften our hearts and it creates the right environment around us so that our hearts are ready and therefore it kind of breaks us down to have the right posture. So some say, um, if you want to have a posture of the fear of the Lord, you got to engage in spiritual disciplines. Others say it's not so much about what you engage in. It's only a matter of time before the right circumstances happen, and that will create in you a posture that is God-centered. Well, you know, this may sound a little controversial, but I'm not convinced it's either of those things in and of themselves that makes us automatically God-centered. You know, like spiritual disciplines alone do not really make us God-centered. They don't automatically make us worship. I mean, if if that were the case, the Pharisees in the first century in the days of Jesus would not have killed Jesus, right? But instead, um, uh, what they demonstrate for us is that it's really possible 
to be very good at spiritual disciplines, and yet, this is kind of scary, have a heart of hatred towards Jesus, right? Uh, You can do the right things. You can engage in Bible reading and even prayer and still have your heart be hardened towards God and who he is. And in fact, if anything, it's very possible to do spiritual disciplines, not even centered on God, but centered on ourselves, centered on our morality, centered on our, well, I did it again. You know, I feel good about myself. You can say the same thing about circumstances. I mean, there are some who endure hardships come out better. And then there are a lot of people who come who endure hardships and come out on the other side, not better, but actually bitter towards Jesus. And so I would contend humbly that the fear of the Lord is not created by spiritual disciplines in a vacuum or circumstances in a vacuum. I have a different proposal. I believe that it's a genuine experience with the grace of God. It's a genuine experience with the grace of God. Now, if what you meant by spiritual disciplines is, uh, no, 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 I do spiritual disciplines to receive the grace of God, or in suffering and hardships, we experience the grace of God, well, then I'm, I'm totally in agreement. But I don't think the answer is spiritual disciplines or suffering, but it's ultimately an experience with God's Grace. Let's let's talk for a moment about what God's grace is. You know, it's a term that we Christians throw around throw around all the time. We sing about it. It's amazing grace. But what is grace? Grace is undeserved favor. It's undeserved favor. It's to receive a benefit. It's to receive a, a kindness that we do not deserve, that we did not earn. And grace, really, uh, when you define it this way, it's a powerful thing. Right? It's a powerful thing because it has the ability to transform us, to change our disposition to a place where we might be centered on ourselves to now center ourselves on something else. I remember and this is a, a very trivial illustration, but just to you know um, help illustrate, I remember being at a restaurant once, and this person you know came up to you know my wife and I were having dinner. This person comes up to us and, you know, we didn't know who this person was, but this person knew our parents, both my parents and my wife's parents. They all went to the same church together. And, you know, he he was like making conversation with us and saying like, I know your dad and I know your mom and wow, you guys have grown up so much. And we're like, we don't even know who you are. I know I'm kind of a jerk. I had to repent. I had to repent. Please be gracious with me. I need grace. Uh, But I was kind of annoyed, right? I was like, oh my gosh, like, can we please enjoy our dinner? Well, come to find out after dinner, this person's about to leave and this person says, hey, I pay for your meal and I, I pay the, the tip, so don't worry about it. Enjoy. Uh, tell your parents that I appreciate them so much. Wow, did I feel guilty in that moment. But, but when they left, I mean, it was totally undeserved. They paid for our meal. We didn't do anything to earn it. It was totally undeserved, but it was a a small but certain act of grace. And in that moment, something strange happened. My heart completely changed. My heart changed from a place of, oh my gosh, why isn't this person leaving us alone? To, oh my gosh, I, I, not only do I feel bad, I feel bad in the way that my heart's posture was towards this person, but oh my gosh, I became so grateful for this person. It wasn't so much now about, well, why aren't they leaving me alone and, and this is my preference and, and me this and that. But now it's, wow, this person is so kind. This person is, wow, amazing. See, there's something about grace. There's something about undeserved favor which dismantles us for our good. Why? Because it creates in us 
a reliance not on ourselves, but it's the reliance on someone else for that which we need most, which is things like love, favor, acceptance, acknowledgement, forgiveness. And when our hearts receive those things, which often, let's be honest, it's what our hearts need most, we're then freed to no longer be self-centered. But now we, we possess the, the capacity, the ability to be something else focused, to be someone else centered. And that's exactly what I believe what happens when God's grace hits our hearts, is that when, our, when God's grace hits our hearts, it dismantles our hearts to no longer cling to ourselves and be self-centered and try to, to uh, fill our own hearts with things that we desire. But instead, our hearts are so overwhelmed and our hearts are so, are so satisfied by the grace and the kindness that our hearts become freed to be God-centered. When we taste the forgiveness of God, when we receive His grace, it actually knits our hearts to him, I mean, Romans 2, 4 says this, right? That it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. What leads us away from our sins towards faith? It's God's kindness. It's not just spiritual disciplines. It's not moments of suffering. It's God's kindness. It's his favor. It's grace. I mean, don't you remember the first time you experienced the gospel? Do you remember the first time you heard that God loves you, not for what you do, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. I mean, even just today, I was driving, and I, I, I just felt overwhelmed by God's love, and I didn't walk away from that moment um, going, wow, I'm awesome, and I need to think about myself. No, I wanted to focus on Him more. And so grace is the street that we turn on, and as we drive and experience uh, and, and see the environment of grace around us, and the beauty and just the amazing uh, qualities of grace and how that reveals God's gracious posture and character and nature, well, then suddenly we begin to see the freeway entrance of the fear of the Lord. And that will happen and that will lead to wisdom. Now we can take the freeway and the path towards wisdom. Tim and Kathy Keller, in their amazing devotional, they say, the fear of the Lord increases the more grace and forgiveness are experienced. I love what they say. They say, this is wisdom's beginning. It's prerequisite. The deep consolation of his grace, it, it heals the heart of the arrogance, hurt feelings, jealousy, self-pity, anxieties, and the fear of the future. All forms of self-absorption at the root of bad decisions and character. I mean, that's exactly what we've been talking about. That when we experience God's grace, it gives us all that we need. And now we're freed. We have the heart capacity to turn to Him. Hey, have you experienced the grace of God? When's the last time you experienced the grace of God? Would you experience it now? Here is the gospel. The gospel is that you and I, we were created in the image of God to have relationship with God. But because of sin, sin that was committed by Adam, but also sin that we commit in Adam and that we commit every day, we said no to God. We rejected God. And so sin has really just wrecked havoc in our world and in our hearts. And the wages of sin is death. And we are experiencing this 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 death every day because of the consequences of sins. But what's amazing is that God did not 
just turned the other way. Instead of rejecting us, he did the unthinkable. He sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus lived 33 years. And here's why he lived on the earth. It wasn't just uh, because, you know, he was bored. No, he had to live the perfect life that we could not live. He, someone had to live the standard in order to credit to us the perfect righteousness that we could not earn and achieve on our own. But on the cross, someone, which is Jesus, he then takes our sins and then bears the consequences for our sins. And so what happens when we place our trust in Jesus is, my goodness, all of our sins fully paid on the cross, but then all of Christ's righteousness, his perfect life, it's credited to our account. And so that when God looks at our spiritual bank account right now, what he sees is not just no debt, no debt of sin, but he actually sees the surplus of righteousness because of what Christ has done so that it looks as if you lived the life that Christ lived. It looks like I lived the perfect life that Christ actually lived on my behalf. So in this moment right now, Right now, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done yesterday, even if you went back to that sin that you promised God that you would never run back to, in this moment right now, your father looks at you with delight. He is satisfied with you. He loves you. He champions you. He celebrates you. He's proud of you. And he knows that you did that sin, but his spirit is advocating on your behalf. And in fact, Jesus right now is praying for you. And as you hear this, Oh my gosh, don't you just sense the fear of the Lord, the God centrality just rising up inside of you? And so may you preach the gospel to yourself daily. Would you remind yourself of the incredible truth of God's grace? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your grace. We're reminded that it's your kindness that turns us away from sin towards you. Would you cling? Would you help us to cling to the gospel? And would you knit the gospel and its reality close to our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for allowing us to be a part of your day. Please be sure to subscribe and share. You can tune in tomorrow for fresh new content. And remember, no matter what happens, there is unlimited grace for us today because of who Jesus is and what he has done. For questions about service times and more, you can access all information about Mariner's Church by downloading the Mariner's app at your favorite app store, visiting the website at marinerschurch.org, or by finding us on Instagram, Instagram handle Mariner's Church. Till next time, have a great day.